Hey guys, it's Lucy, and welcome back to Teen Speak Up. So today I interviewed the amazing editor-in-chief of the RevNow magazine. And RevNow is a 100% teen-run magazine, and they focus on social justice issues and political and world issues. Um, and they really try to reinforce political education. I had such a great conversation with her, and let's get into it. Kayla, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm 16 years old, and I'm really passionate about just all social justice issues, so just like equality of the sexes, um, e- racial equality, and uh, I'm really interested in civil engagement amongst youth, so getting more young people engaged in politics and social issues and activism in general. So I know you are the editor-in-chief of RevNow, and if you want to talk a little bit about what RevNow is and when you started it and what made you want to start a publication of all things. Revolution Now is a digital magazine that explores issues with politics and social justice with an entirely uh, teen-run staff. So uh, we explore, not only do we explore current political events and break down complex topics, but we also give teens resources so that they can get involved in these events and get involved in the political spheres themselves, whether that's through activism, journalism, or just being engaged and educated. Uh, And I started Revolution Now um, because, well, going back to the trajectory I followed to get to where I am today, um, when I was 14, I attended School of the New York Times, which is a journalism program in New York City. And um, while I was there, that's really when I got to see the political sphere firsthand for the first time, especially the political journalism sphere. Um, While I was there, Donald Trump first sent out his tweets about uh, the transgender military ban, basically just saying transgender people couldn't serve in the military. And uh, me and a few friends were just at Times Square and huge protests broke out about the ban. So we started interviewing people at the protests and just trying out our new journalism skills that we had learned that day. And it was in that moment I really discovered my passion for political journalism. And I discovered the impact it could have on, as a teenager, like just us getting to talk to all those people and getting to really experience that for me was so eye-opening and enlightening. So um, then with that, experience we started trying to make an article about the march that we had been part of and through that we pitched to a few different people got a few connections um and that led to me later getting an article published in teen vote and so i used that momentum to uh create revolution now magazine because i knew at the end of the day what i really wanted was a platform where I could also expose other teens to the great experiences I've had in political journalism. Yeah, that's really cool. That's awesome. Um, so I know being an activist can be very hard, and I'm, I'm sure that also writing about these issues in our, in our world um, can also be very tricky and can definitely take a toll on your mental health. And... How do you protect your mental health when you're constantly working on, um, when you're constantly working with these these um, crises and and issues in the world? So I feel like before I was even interested in political journalism or anything like that, I was always someone who was very aware of all the crises going on in the world 
and very deeply affected by these issues that were happening. And honestly, for me, political journalism was a really great way to deal with the mental toll of like all the problems in the world because I felt like I had some power in doing something about it. And I feel like by educating other people on what's happening and spreading awareness and getting other teens to rise up against some of the corruption, um, for me, that brings me a lot of peace because I know that even though there's injustice in the world, I know that I'm actively fighting against them. So in that case, I would actually say that political journalism and activism and all that has been the best thing for my mental health when it comes to dealing with um, all the things going on in the world. Um, but I will also say that it can just be stressful to have that responsibility and with Rev now and school and all that, I definitely do need to make sure I'm always prioritizing my mental health. So I am always checking in with myself and, you know, I have my few go-tos for things I do when I'm getting a little too overwhelmed. It's like, I'll just take a long walk and listen to some music and recenter myself and just checking in a lot and making sure that I am upkeeping those little things that really keep my mental health in check, um, I would say makes a huge difference. Also being someone who does write a lot, um, that it's a really, it's a good way to, a good way to unpack it all. Um, and even just like personal things as well. Like if you had like a bad day at school or whatever, just like writing everything down that happened, like dumping your brain onto a piece, a piece of paper. Yeah, yeah I'm a big, I'm a big journaler too. Yes. Totally. So great. <laughs> Love it. Um, so I'm guessing that, um, this work can be hard and what would you say the hardest part of your role is honestly for me the hardest part of um just like kickstarting revolution now was getting started and getting over those initial bumps um i think in the beginning of making any sort of project you really have to prove yourself a lot um and for me just as an example um when i first started revolution now i started it in about in like 2018, I'd say, but early 2018, I had a website um, on Adobe. So they had had at the time like Adobe Bloom, and it was like a website software, so you could easily make like really beautiful websites on it. Mm-hmm. And um, I just started getting the hang of that, and I just started getting like one or two people that I could get to write for me after like basically reaching out to every person that ever attended school New York Times and just really like begging people to be a part of this new project. Um, and then the software was discontinued. And no. I that entire site. And then, so I had to start looking at other mediums and I ended up going to Wix. And let me tell you, I am not a tech person. And I had so much trouble creating the site. And it took me months and months and months. And so I feel like getting over those hurdles at first and keeping up that momentum was the hardest part when you don't have the support system to keep pushing with you. I'd say now I have some writers that I'm really close to and they're dedicated to rep now and I'm dedicated to rep now. And we have certain things that we've accomplished that we take a lot of pride in and having that whole community and just all those past experiences built off of, um, it's really easy to push through now when things get a little hard or know that we can like take some, take some mishaps. But in the beginning, it's really hard to keep that motivation when it's just you trying to push through this idea that no one else is quite behind yet. So I would say that 
that's the hardest part is just getting started and getting over like those first few big mishaps. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, I know that like with Teen Speak Up, when we um, went into more of an organization um, status, if you will, um, it was, we, we recruited like 40 plus people at first and they were, most of them, not to call anybody out, but most of them were not in, in it for the right reasons and they ended up, um, leaving after some internal issues but it it is very hard to find the right people that are in it for the right reason and I think that's like in a thing that not not a lot of people talk about it's um, true but it makes um all the difference when you do because just like now just I know that not only do I have people I actually have people that I can talk to when things go wrong or when I have to make a hard decision for rep now like I have people on my staff I really trust that I know get the magazine that I can bounce ideas off of and having that is so game-changing it's just the difference is extraordinary um but yeah getting to that point is really difficult and it takes a lot of perseverance and a lot of work and um a lot of self-motivation yeah for sure what is your favorite part of like working with kids your age I would just say um, it's people who are like me and people who are, they really understand what it means to be part of Generation Z and they have that excitement and they're innovative and they know what our teen audience wants and they just understand the sphere we're working with. Um, I would say that that part's really nice of it. And also like most of these people are my friends now and they're people that I don't just talk to about journalism and like you know we have great conversations about the magazine of course and we work together and I spend a lot of time working with them but um we also just text each other about random things and memes and funny jokes and um it really is a friendship so I really love that aspect of it that I really get to be friends with the people I work with mm-hmm. why do you think it's important that teens have a voice in journalism with everything that's going on right now, I think that this is a time where maybe the most in history, teens are really getting involved um, with the things that are happening in the world, like the political sphere, but just current events in general. And like, you have all these great trailblazers that are people our age that are leading activism in so many different ways. And I just think that journalism is such a focal part of that whole sphere. Um, and journalism and activism are very different, of course, for obvious reasons. Um, but it's such a big part of keeping those powers um, in check. And I do believe that as teens, we, uh, as teenagers, we, the, who, as teenagers who are interested in these kinds of issues, we really. Uh, stand up against all these very powerful figures in the industry, like, you know, politicians and um, even corporations to an extent. And so journalism is a really great way that teens can do that. And also I think that something that I personally was very drawn to with journalism is the fact that journalists are almost like, like anyone can be a journalist and you can impact so many different fields with journalism. Like I always like to say that, I feel like an amateur investigator or an amateur scientist or some a researcher because as a journalist you can kind of just 
have this idea and run with it. So if it's something that's like investigated, like if I feel like there's something fishy going on with the government or with a, a politician or something just doesn't seem right in current events, I will look into that and I'll start calling up officials and I'll start looking at documents and paper. And if I can get enough information gathered together, I can write an article and I can really make an impact through raising awareness to others about that. Or like when I think about the article I wrote for Teen Vogue, which is how politics have the ability to sway elections, um, that was something where, you know, I wasn't a graduate student who had done months and months and months of research with memes and data and getting all this data gathered together. But I had this idea that I really thought was true and valid and I had enough statistics I'd found that supported it. And then I was able to go out and talk to the professors who could give me that extra um, research-based information. And then I could publish that article as my own and my, um, my own thesis almost. So I think that's something that's really powerful about journalism that's really great for teenagers they can't get in other fields. Because you don't, you don't really need a degree to be a journalist. You don't need a lawyer background to write about the legal system. Um, you don't need to be a politician to write about politics. Um, and I think that's really powerful for a teenager. What have you learned not only about you as a journalist, but yourself as a person and um, as a whole from being um, a part of, for sorry, from starting and being a part of Revolution Now? Um, I would say that honestly, I just learned a lot about what I was capable of. Um, and I think that that was like, that was the first and it's the only long-term project I've done that I've really poured years into this same thing that I've like built from the ground up. Um, and so getting to the point I am at today and being able to like look and be like, um, I've had revolution now for almost two years now. And in the past two years, like I've really built something and now I have this platform that other teams are regularly writing for and we're regularly pushing out these articles that I feel really good about and I like really think we're pushing the envelope in great ways and just the fact that I was capable of all that I feel like until I really got to that point I didn't know if I was going to be able to like with every setback and with everything that happened it was always me just trying to like, be like keep pushing forward keep pushing forward just don't give up on it um and now looking back, I'm so, I have so much more confidence in what I'm able to do because I was able to get to this point at all. And I feel like that's something that's going to carry in my life as general, in my life now, just as a whole, is that I now realize that I can push through and I can do these big, scary, daunting things where there are times where I feel like I completely have no, um, no, like, no ability to do like building the website for me was a huge one where I just felt so unqualified but I did it um and so for me that's been something I've really learned about myself that I think is really going to help me in life in general um and also it's just taught me the power of pouring all your passion into something and it's just taught me how far that can take you in life because like I've had so many amazing opportunities through Revolution Now that I'm so grateful for. Um, and I wouldn't have gotten any of these things or I wouldn't be taken to any of these places if I hadn't created this thing that I was super passionate about. And I think that, like, for example, last summer I was part of the Hurley Fellowship, um, which I highly recommend all girls apply for. 
but basically it's this fellowship and um you apply they only accept like 30 girls out of 9,000 and you apply with a passion project and like a little information about you and you get to go it's like to a few day long summit in New York City completely all expenses paid for and um meet this network of girls and get all these speakers about just like being a female leader in politics, human rights, medicine, all these different fields. Um, and then at the end, you just apply for a grant to further your projects. So I applied for a grant to produce uh, RevNow videos, which is going to be extension of Revolution Now. Uh, and it's going to turn Revolution Now into a multimedia corporation. But uh, I just mix the words corporation and organization. <laughs> um, a multimedia organization. Uh, that's going to have like a whole video extension platform that's ongoing with films. So that's something I'm super excited about. And I wouldn't have ever gotten that opportunity, I think, or any of the opportunities that I have gotten if I hadn't created something that I was genuinely so passionate about and so excited to work on every day. And something that like, it's also something that just keeps me fulfilled and keeps me going in my everyday life um, and gives my life a bigger purpose than just like going to school and trying to get good grades and like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's, I, I've heard about the Hurley Fellowship. I have, I have, uh, I know someone who, who went last summer. Or Man, who is it? I probably know them. Aaliyah Logan. Oh yeah. I don't think we were, we weren't in the same groups or anything, but. Yeah. yeah I, I don't. I don't know her, but, like, I know of her, and we, like, we have mutuals and stuff. She's really cool. Yeah. Um, but I, I hear it's a really powerful experience and really fun, and, yeah. Um, also, my friend Nadia went, like, years ago. Cool. Not, do you know yeah. Nadia Akimoto? Yeah. Yeah. God, yeah. Yeah. She's so, she's so cool, and she was, she went, and she said it was, like, the most powerful experience. Um yeah. So, Being part of a network of like those kind of people in it too is just like such an amazing thing. Honestly, I'm so grateful for that opportunity. I really, really am. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, um, <clears throat> so are you hoping to take journalism... Um, are you hoping to take Revolution Now and and go further with it and turn it into like a huge publication? Not that it isn't huge already; it's like doing so so well. But um, are you hoping to really really move for like further with it and and study journalism in college or if you're going to college? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, totally. So um, Revolution Now magazine right now is. A, I forgot to mention just earlier, but it's international. So, like, half of our staff live in different countries and, like, all countries around the world. We have people in the Philippines, we have people in Malaysia, we have people in the Middle East, we have people, like, from everywhere around the globe, which is something I really love about the magazine. And I would really love one day if that also was able to extend into the multimedia sources that we're starting to build upon just that magazine. So, like, with RevNow videos right now, I'm starting with just local kids at my school and um, trying to like start the video platform here locally. But long-term goal, I would love, love, love to have other production teams going all around America and maybe even all around the globe and 
just having all these different places where they're producing WebNow videos. Um, so that they, I can have just these, those unique perspectives of different cities, different countries. Um, and just extending more more of the multimedia vessels. So like, I mean, I would love to have some original RevNow podcasts in the future and then just building on the videos that we're going to be making and making those like an ongoing big thing. Um, and just like, I think just creating RevNow as like a brand almost in the sense that it's just this big organization of teens who are making all this different kind of content within the political and social justice sphere. Um, and then just like expanding our sphere of influence in that way. Um, yeah, that's my vision for the future for right now. It's just this like big organization where you have people who are making podcasts, who are making videos, who are making interactive articles and just like innovating what I think is a really good foundation that we've created at this point. And then as for me, um, as an individual personally in college. So what I really want to do for a few years after college is I want to be a foreign correspondent. Um, that's also like doing humanitarian work. So I would love to like go to another country, maybe go to like a refugee camp and like live there and help the people there while also writing about the people there. Something like that is really, really interesting to me. So right now I'm learning French. I want to learn Spanish in um, college as well. And I definitely want to do that for a few years at some point in my life. Um, so that's like, for me personally, my big goals journalism-wise. And then, of course, upkeeping with Revolution Now magazine and the rest of our, um, of our different, like, RevNow videos and, like, whatever podcasts we have and just, like, managing all that in the future as well. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's super, super cool. Um, and I look forward to, to seeing... Uh, Rev now in the future. Um, uh huh. So, um, I'm gonna go back to another question. Where is it? If you could have one off the record in- interview with anyone, it could be dead or alive, who would it be and why? Honestly, I think it'd be Donald Trump. I think I'd want to like talk to him and really, uh, try to get in his head and see what his, like, the way he thinks. Um, because I feel like, you know, with, I mean, just with the statements Trump's makes and, like, if you just look at his Twitter and all the things about, like, fake news and all of that and then, like, all these policies he'll put forward, like, we have a very chaotic political climate right now. And I would really just, like, to talk to him more and kind of, I, I wonder sometimes like, is it a tactic? Is it something that he's being sensational on purpose or is it just part of the way he is? And I don't know, just like speak to him more and try to really understand where he's coming from because, you know, there's just so much Trump is such a polarizing figure right now. And I feel like having that opportunity to really talk to him and like, see what my take is on how he functions would be super interesting and uh-huh. super informative, honestly. So I would, yeah, I would love to do an off-record interview with Donald Trump. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what I could, what I would do. And like, not like, I don't know what I would do in the same room as that guy. I, I don't think I would ever want to be in the same room as that guy. I honestly, I like, I mean, I, I think it would be really 
really intriguing to hear him and just like ask him a ton of questions and see how he like reacted to it. I don't know, maybe it's just part of I'm very interested in psychology too, and I think that as like he's such an interesting president, like if you're thinking from like a psychological and philosophical standpoint and just like historically he's so different than any other president we've ever had in history. And I would really like to dive in deeper to like how we've gone to the point we are today and why someone that is so different from any other politician was able to like come in and make such a huge difference in our political uh, our political sphere. And I do think that like we're in a very, very historical time right now in, um, with like Donald Trump and with everything that's going on. And so like I would just I feel like talking to him would give me a lot more clarity on like how we got where we are today. I do think that it would be would be very interesting <laughs> to say the least. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I do think it would be interesting. Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen an article like that, like where they've been in direct um in like the same room as him and like actually having conversation about like why he thinks the way he thinks and like yeah. I, I think that would be so so interesting um I mean, very like the way that I mean obviously it's no secret that like his outlook on the press wouldn't really allow that to happen but um that's why I think it would be so interesting just the way that he treats the press and like how he really like I don't know you probably haven't seen it but I've watched a press like a press conference a bit clip from a press conference with him last year and someone had asked a question he didn't like. So he was like, he was yelling at them and basically like made them sit down and like refuse to answer it and stuff like I that. I saw that, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't remember the exact details. I don't want to like try quoting anything because I probably would misquote it. But like, um, he's very, you know, he, he he's will shut you down if he doesn't like what you're saying. So he wouldn't if I had an opportunity to like in this hypothetical off the record, actually talk to him and actually see where his head's at and not just what he's like wants the press to say, or like, you know, cause I feel like in the cases he has talked more to the press, it's very much like the press that makes him look good. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, one second. So let's go more into the, um let's go more into journalism and like how how it works and how like pitching an article works and all of that so um how do you brainstorm ideas for your articles does it does it specifically um spark your interest when you see something on twitter or you see something on social media or um another publication wrote about something and it made you think of think about um things in a different way and like how how do you how do you brainstorm ideas for your articles? Yeah, I would just say that I'm always on the lookout. Um, so it's really a mindset, I think. Um, and there's no like real trick to it of like how to come up with great story ideas. You just have to be in this mindset where you're always looking out for like the thing that everybody else is missing that you can write a really impactful article about. So. Um, after we'd written that story at that march about um, transgender military rights in New York, we weren't able to get it published just because it became too old 
so it wasn't really relevant anymore. But um, I feel like after that, after that, I made a promise to myself that I wasn't going to lose momentum from that whole experience, and I was going to make sure that I got published into Vogue by the end of that year. Um, so, because we had been talking to him a lot, but then it didn't work out in the last minute. And I was like, I, you know, I got this far. I'm not going to let that just like go nowhere. So with that, I feel like I really just adopted the mindset that like all the time I was trying to figure out what could be a good article and everything I read and just like making sure that I was being really informed of everything that was happening. And you're going to have a lot of failed ideas. Like I had so many ideas that have been rejected over the years. Um, but I think that when you're always, always, always looking for it, you're just eventually going to strike gold and kind of find that idea that really is new and exciting and no one else is really covering it. But yet there's still, that's another thing is when you're looking for a good article idea, you really need to hit the sweet spot of not a lot of people are talking about it, but there's enough evidence scattered around that you can still support it. So looking for stuff like that. And then like when I kind of just had that eureka moment with, politics, I was looking at some political meme somewhere, and I was like, oh my god, political memes totally, like, could have an effect on politics, and then I looked and researched that a little more, and was like, hey, there's so much stuff that suggests this, but no one's really going out and saying it, um, and then that's, like, a good example of something that really works for an article that you're, uh, pitching people freelance. For sure. Um, oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, 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 you're I would done. say that when you're brainstorming as a, a freelancer, try to stay away from anything that's going to be time sensitive because it is very hard to get someone to agree to do something with you as a freelancer if they know the story is going to be old in a few weeks. So that's something to keep in mind. For sure. Yeah. Um, how does, how, how do you write a pitch and how does that work? And, and how do you find the, the editors? Um, how do you find editors from publications to reach out to? So I would say that, um, to answer your first question, write a pitch, it's honestly, it's better just to keep it short and sweet and just highlight a few things. I think that a lot of people feel like they want to, you know, you know they want to like give a lot of information because they really want to get another person to like be all sold on their idea. But um, with a short pitch, if they're interested, they will ask for more details. Um, but a lot of times they're just not going to read your email if it's too long and they don't know who you are. So really just summarizing it in one paragraph, um, something I've done a few times that I think works well when I've wanted to give more details but haven't wanted to like write a huge long thing is I've given outline sometimes of like what each paragraph would cover. Um, I think that works well too, but just keeping it short and sweet and concise is really the best thing to do. And you only like, like I would say, just start with a little sentence about yourself, um, then like a few sentences about your article and then a few sentences about why you're the right person to write this article. And that's really all you need. Um, and then getting into how you find the editors to pitch to, honestly, it's a lot of like trial and error. I would say that for some magazines, it's easier than others. For some, like you can just search the magazine and find the masthead and they might even have emails linked for you to pitch to. Others, you have to dig around a lot more. Um, um, like what I'll do a lot is I'll look through like their staff page, they have one, and find who fits into me, like a political editor or something like that. And then I'll search that person's name and try to find something that um, that has their email somewhere. Or I'll find the email of one person they work with, and a lot of times they have very similar ends to their emails. 
so you can kind of mess around with that and that's worked a few times where I just like like maybe I find somebody that has some random job at um, Team Vogue and I find their email and I see that their email ends with a certain like at teamvogue.com or something that's not the real one but maybe it ends that way and then I like will take the person's name that I really want to contact and I will just say their name at teamvogue.com and then mess around with that bit. So like if their name is like Allison, I might try Allie at teamvogue.com or something like that and just keep messing with it until the email sends. I think honestly that's usually the way it works out. Um, but yeah, honestly too, like the way I first connected with the editor that would go on to publish my article is I reached out to a random person at Team Vogue that didn't have to do politics and they actually referred me to the right person. So that will happen sometimes too. So really like if you can't find the right email, just email it to somebody. And if it's a good idea, it will get to the table it needs to be on. And then there's other publications that make it really easy for you. And they do have like, if you want to pitch, pitch here. Um, so it really just depends a lot on the publication. I know some people reach out through Twitter and Instagram. I wouldn't recommend that personally. I haven't really seen that work. I think email is the right way to go, but it's a good last ditch effort if you um, really just can't find a way to reach them through email. Mm-hmm. Give that a try. Yeah. Um, and then how did what? Let's say that you pitched your article to a publication and they liked your idea and they want to move forward with um, with this article. How does um, how does writing work and what is the writing process like? So for me, um, the writing process, I could say, I would sum it up as like one really intense week and then like months of slowly working. So like making the rough draft is um, the craziest part because they'll kind of be like, okay, send me a rough draft in a week and like have everything together. And especially like your article is most likely going to have like professors or someone else and some experts who interview. So you got to like interview them and if you haven't found someone like that already you have to like really scramble to find somebody um or like in my case my first interview didn't go very well but I pitched to team folk I told them that I had an interview with somebody because I did and then I interviewed her and she was just she she didn't like that I was a teenager and she didn't really know much about my idea and so she wasn't very helpful so that just like for me was like three days of scramble 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 and I called hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of political um, professors and then from those professors I interviewed some of them and then they referred me to other people interview and then finally I found the perfect source um, and then I had to like write the whole draft so I would say that it's like one really intense week before that deadline where you really just have to get everything together and then once you submit that rough draft at least in my case it was a slow process of over the next few months just like slowly editing it and like different rounds of edits here and there and I mean, do like as a freelancer, and at, when you have a story that isn't time sensitive, it can be a very long process because they, um, you know, they have their like pressing issues that they have to get out every day while the news is still relevant, and they have their people that work for them as their staff that are their first priorities when it comes to like getting those articles out there. So for me, it took like months and months and months, and sometimes there'd be months of radio silence. Um, but that was just part of the process and then slowly bit by bit we rehashed that article countless times and got it ready to publish yeah yeah um uh, sorry (laughs) (laughs) 
Sometimes I wish I had a, a better, um, sometimes I just don't know how to respond when people answer the question so, so right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so I'll figure that out uh, eventually. Anyway. Um, so no worries, honestly. Like, you, you edit this. You can just, like, cut out anything. Don't worry about me. I know, I know what it's like when you're interviewing somebody and you have to, like, jump around all your different questions to find the one that fits based on what they just said. So, like, no worries. I totally feel you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so how does, how does the editing process work? And um, when you find the editor um, that is interested in your work, how, how does that process work? And how did... Um, what is your experience with that? Um, so they're going to edit you a lot in most cases. And that's a very normal thing for all journalism, not even just freelancing. Like most of the time, and I think that I've heard this from different editors, but it didn't really dawn on me until I became an editor myself, is like it's very normal and common for the editors to really pick apart whatever you write and really, really change it around. And that's totally okay. That's totally normal. Um, you will be part of that process with them. It's not like they just take your article and like rip it to shreds and rebuild it. Like you'll just rebuild it a lot together. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, you know, especially freelancing, they need to make all the articles fit into their mold of like their brand and the like kind of voice that they project. So when you write your own article, they want you to have your own unique voice in it, but they also want to make sure that fits in with their um, publication and kind of like the voice of their publication projects. So um, your article will be edited a lot and you will have to basically rewrite your editor with your rewrite your article with the help of this editor. And that's something that's totally normal and totally okay. And I want to make sure that teens know like do not get discouraged if they are changing a lot of your article. It's completely part of the process. It's completely normal. Um, and I wish someone that had told me that at the time I was writing the article because that didn't really I wasn't given that advice until like a lot later and then I didn't see it for myself firsthand for a few months after that. So I think that's something that like as a teen especially and you know being like amateurs in this field, um, I don't I want people to know that you should not be discouraged if that's happening. Yeah. Um I've never had experience with editing before. Um but I think that really interesting like that the whole, uh, like, I'm getting more and more into, into writing and stuff, but, um, but yeah, um, yeah, for me, going from being a writer to an editor was so crazy, because, um, it's such a, like, a different mindset that you take on it, but I feel like it really helps you become well-rounded, because looking at articles from the standpoint of, like, trying to target the faults and make it better and make it all as polished and condensed and sound as good as it possibly can um, gives you such an interesting perspective and outlook on writing as a whole. So I feel like you'll get more into that as you build with um, Teen Speak Up and all that and you have more people that that are making your content but you're like putting on those last touches before sending it out. Yeah. Um, So what what is the... um... What is the publishing process like? Um, the publishing process, honestly, for me, it was super easy. I, they just emailed me and were like, it's going to be going live on Thursday. Um, and then that day came. I mean, I wasn't notified or anything. Like, I just got up that morning, searched my article headline, and Vogue, and there it was. Um, so, yeah, the publishing process itself 
is really easy. Getting to that point is the hardest part. Um, and getting out of that first rough draft and then sticking with it through all those months of editing. And, and another thing too is um, just adding on from earlier in that process where they might be taking months and all that. Feel free to check in with them again and again and again. Like, keep emailing them. Don't email them so much you become a nuisance, of course, but um, like, don't let them just forget about you and don't let it get bulldozed over because these are very busy people. And I know for me too, it's another thing that I realized, like I knew it before, but becoming an editor really like dawned on me how big it is. Like you're juggling so many things at a time um, as an editor and you're usually working on so many different articles at once that like it's really easy for things to slip through the cracks and it's not because you don't care anymore, it's just because you have so many balls of juggling. Mm-hmm. So um, like as the writer on that, do not be afraid to check in if it's been a really long time and they haven't gone back to you. Um, and just like keep checking in. So that's just something I wanted to add on about the editing process. But going to the publishing process, going back to that, honestly, it's super simple, super straightforward. Um, just make sure when it's all said and done, if you agreed on a price point, like you get that money. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to talk about next. How does yeah. how does compensation work? And have you ever ha- had like an experience where you um, requested a certain amount and they were like, "No, you're not getting that," or or anything? So, um, Overall, I've been, like, really lucky. Teen Vogue paid really well, especially for, a um, for like, a teen writer. I don't think they really took that into consideration for me. They just gave me what was, like, a really fair price point. Um, for a lot of – especially if it's not a huge publication, like, I would say expect to get, like, $25 to $50 um, for an article. And uh, – I mean, I've never really had issues with it. I mean, I, I did kind of negotiate on our kill fee to move up the kill fee. Honestly, I don't even remember what I asked to move it up for. Um, a kill fee is the amount of money you get if they don't end up publishing your article. But I tried to move it up, and then they were like, no, we can't do that. And then I was like, okay, whatever, it's fine. And it all worked out because I still got the article um, published. So I, I didn't even need to worry about the kill fee in the end. Um, I will say that if you have a mentor that's someone you want to buy the contract with and the price points with. So I had, like I said before, I had a really great mentor for my first year at School of New York Times. And I asked her about like everything, what she thought about it. She was the one that actually suggested that I negotiate for the kill fee. Um, but that's good because there are, I have heard stories of other publications that will take advantage of you for your age and they won't compensate you or they won't compensate you nearly as much as they would another freelancer. And as a teen, you know, you don't want to rock the boat a lot of times, but um, they should be paying the same. So that is something to be aware of. Um, and that, that, it's like, it's not easy. You can't, it's not a formula you can apply to every publication and every, um, every like kind of article you pitch them because there are some places that just, they don't pay you if you freelance and that's just kind of the way it is. Or like, I know for some, um, some big organizations you can apply with like opinion pieces, but they won't compensate you for an opinion piece. Um, and if that's just the way the organization is, I don't actually think that's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad mark on them or I don't think it says anything about how much they value you. But, um, if it's an organization that does pay, that can pay. Um, and the only reason they wouldn't be giving you as much is because of your age. Then I think that that's something that like you should stand up 
for yourself about and you should try to get what you deserve because you are working for them. Um, and like as a teen, you know, like for me, I know, especially I was just like, Oh my God, like I want teen Vogue to publish my article. And like, Oh my God, if they could do this for me, I'd be so happy. But like, you're really, you're doing a job for them. Like they're hiring you and you're giving them something. So you should be getting something back for that. So don't be afraid to like stand up for yourself in those cases. Oh yeah, for sure. No, I think that, I think that's super important. I, I have heard a lot about, um, different publications taking advantage of um teens uh not mm, i'm not gonna say that never mind uh (laughs) i was gonna call someone out but never mind (laughs) yeah um yeah i mean do you have anything else to add um yeah anything else Um, i do want to like especially in like the when you're experiencing being a freelancer um perseverance is really just and I think that this kind of goes for the scope of everything that I've done in any project you ever do no matter what it is but especially freelancing like persevering and when you're trying to get published really like like don't be afraid to call people so many times don't be afraid to jump through rabbit holes and loops and just to try to get like your ideas out there like for me um I remember I had an article I was trying to get published by Voice of America and and um so I like pitched it to them. They didn't respond. I sent them another email. They didn't respond, and um, it was getting it was a time sensitive article, and it was getting closer to the date. Um, so I called their front office, and I got the woman on the phone. I told her the editor I wanted to get in touch with. She told me the number of his desk, and she told me he gets in at eight a.m. Um, and this was on the East Coast. So the next day. I got up at 5 a.m. at a sleepover. My friends were angels. I can't believe they all let me wake them up with an alarm at 5 a.m. But I got up at 5 a.m., went outside and called this guy's office and got there at the right time where he had just sat down. And I, like, started asking about my article. And he had said to me, um, yeah, actually, that article, like, you know, I kind of showed around the office. No one really – there wasn't much interest in it, but it really stuck out to me. And, you know, we get all these pictures every day. And, like, that one did stand out to me. Like, who do you work for? And then, you know, I told him I was 14 and really just a freelancer. And he was so impressed he offered me a job on their college kid um, side magazine later on that year. So I think that's an example of, like, you really – you just have to go for it. And you just have to keep going for it and pushing yourself. Because even if it doesn't end up, like, in – getting your article published or whatever people especially people who are older who are experts in their field who um like seeing young participation um and like they love to see people who are determined and people who are passionate and motivated and just like showing that you have that drive takes you all sorts of different places so that's like a good antidote i really like for like you just gotta persevere you've got to like call whoever you need to call and just keep pushing your ideas and having that confidence behind you and really doing whatever it takes. Um, that's still, you know, that's like in a healthy way, whatever it takes to like get your ideas out there and reach out and like get out of your comfort zone. Like Mm -hmm. it's really scary. It's so intimidating being like this little kid calling all these people with all these big ideas of how like your story is going to talk about some topic that's changing the entire political sphere when you're 14 but um 
you have to have that confidence and you have to just go for it. Just like fake it till you make it. Just act like you're an expert and go for it and you will find the people that are the experts that can back up what you're saying. Yeah. No, I think that's really important to talk about. I I don't think enough people talk about that. Um, Well, yeah, it was so good to have you on Teen Speak Up. We really, really appreciate it. It was great to be here and talk. I am going to leave Revolution Now down in the show notes, but um, is there anything else that you would like to uh, shout out? Yeah, I would. Thank you. Um, Yeah, just... Follow Revolution Now on Instagram. You can get, we post political updates and we'll also be posting um, updates about the um, video extension we'll be posting soon and teasers for that. And like, you can really find all our articles and all our content um, you can find from there. So follow Revolution Now at RevNow Magazine. Um, And yeah, that's really it. It was a pleasure to speak with you guys and speak on the podcast. Thank you so much to Michaela for coming on today's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. It was a lot less edited than um, most of our episodes are, but something that I really want to work towards in 2020 is making sure that our episodes are more raw and not as edited and robotic um, and more flowing, like normal conversations that people have every single day. So I really hope you guys liked this episode i will leave revolution uh revolution now down below in the description box um not the description box this is not youtube the show notes um and be sure to leave us a review and subscribe um yeah please do leave us a review because that is actually the way that we know what to improve on and um what what we that is how we know that um that is how we know what you guys want to see from us on the podcast um yeah so i hope you guys have a great rest of your day or night or evening or whenever whenever you're listening to this um and be sure to follow teen speak up on instagram and donate to the gen z leadership in the activism summit that will hopefully be happening this march um or this coming march in 2020 so I will see you guys next week for a new episode and peace out.